Hey folks, it's John. Uh, just letting you know that this week we do talk about the Activision Blizzard lawsuit that was filed this week. Uh, it includes some very, very disturbing details that I, I definitely want folks to be aware of. I, I read a lot of things verbatim from the lawsuit. I discuss a lot of things pretty openly about uh, what folks are saying about their experiences. Uh, if you want to miss the the entire discussion, uh, I would skip to roughly the 26-minute mark where we get into the other top stories of the week, a great conversation with Colin, and that's it. If you want to miss just like the, the worst parts of the actual uh, allegations, uh, skip to about the eight and a half to nine minute mark. Uh, I will still have quite a bit of time of discussing how Activision Blizzard has responded to it, how that response is very troubling to me. Uh, but there aren't really any sort of major um, uh, triggers, I think, in, in that second segment. But if you are just very, very upset about the entire situation, don't really want to hear about it because you've already inundated yourself with that information, uh, I totally get it. Um, so again, if you want to skip the whole thing, I would skip to like 26 minutes. If you want to skip the worst parts of it, try eight and a half to nine minutes. Uh, we will, we will probably have an exact timestamp in the actual show notes, uh, which will be a little bit easier to, uh, to glean once we record everything. Okay, folks. Thanks. Hey folks, welcome to a brand new episode of Thanks for the Knowledge, Fanbyte's weekly news show, routing up the headlines in games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I'm your host, head of Fanbyte Media, John Warren. Uh, I talked to Colin McGregor, our very own guides writer, uh, about Aliens Fireteam, uh, about EA Play, about Apex Legends specifically. We, we really chopped it up and had a good time. Uh, but first, before we get to that, we have to talk about a major story that broke this week. This week's bombshell that the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing suing Activision Blizzard for fostering a, quote, frat boy culture sent shockwaves through the industry and the detailed account of why the DFEH is suing Activision Blizzard are very, very troubling. And we're going to get into that now. uh, We did a content warning at the beginning of the show. Uh, If you heard that, then you should go ahead and skip ahead to whatever second mark that we said in that segment. Uh, But this is your last chance to to jump off before we start talking about some very, very disturbing claims. I don't think frat boy culture even really does it justice. Uh, It is a lot of disturbing behavior with some extremely troubling and upsetting uh, consequences. So I am going to go into some of those things in detail from the actual brief. Uh, I'm going to pretty much read these things verbatim, um, and they are upsetting. So if you are uh, not willing to uh, listen to that, I totally understand. Uh, There will be a a minute or so of commentary without any of that, uh, without any of that detail toward the end of the segment, which uh, that will be kind of where we point folks to uh, in the, in the content warning at the beginning. So this is probably your, your best chance to jump off now. Uh, if you want to jump off, I'll see you in a bit. Uh, if you're going to stick with me, then let's uh, let's go because it's uh, it's upsetting stuff, but it's also, I think, important to understand. 
the filed lawsuit begins with the plaintiff pointing out the fact that uh, Blizzard, Activision Blizzard's leadership roles are almost exclusively occupied by white men. Their workforce is only occupied by about 20% of women. Uh, and women typically do not reach the higher compensation totals of their male peers. Uh, they go on to list the uh, salaries and total compensations of uh, several uh, high-ranking officers in Activision Blizzard, including uh, CEO Bobby Kotick and uh, Executive Advisor Dennis Durkin, uh, both of which make multi-millions of dollars a year after stock options and bonuses and all that stuff. Um, women are often assigned to lower paid and lower opportunity levels, uh, they say. Uh, and this is where the, this is where everything takes a, uh, very, very, very upsetting turn. I'm going to read three paragraphs that are verbatim, uh, paragraphs five, six, and seven of the, uh, of the initial, uh, section of the brief, the introduction. Uh, again, these are upsetting, uh, words here. So just bear with me, but I'm going to read them as they are written. Quote, Defendants have also fostered a pervasive frat boy workplace culture that continues to thrive. In the office, women are subjected to cube crawls in which male employees drink copious amounts of alcohol as they crawl their way through various cubicles in the office and often engage in inappropriate behavior toward, toward female employees. Male employees proudly come into work hungover, play video games for long periods of time during work while delegating their responsibilities to female employees, engage in banter about their sexual encounters, talk openly about female bodies, and joke about rape. Unsurprisingly, defendants' frat boy culture is breeding ground for harassment and discrimination against women. Female employees are subjected to constant sexual harassment, having, including having to continually fend off unwanted sexual comments and advances by their male co-workers and supervisors and being groped at the cube crawls at, and other company events. High-ranking executives and creators engaged in blatant sexual harassment without repercussions. In a particularly tragic example, a female employee committed suicide during a business trip with a male supervisor who had brought butt plugs and lubricant with him on the trip. Defendants continuously condone the quid pro quo and hostile work environment. This message, the message is not lost on their employees. Numerous complaints about unlawful harassment, discrimination, and retaliation were made to defendants, human resources personnel, and executives, including to Blizzard Entertainment's president, J. Allen Brack. But defendants failed to take effective remedial measures in response to these complaints. Employees were further discouraged from complaining as human resource personnel were known to be uh, were known to be close to alleged harassers. An internal investigation into the human resource unit noted that there was a big lack of trust and that HR not held in high regard. Unsurprisingly, employees' complaints were treated in a perfunctory and dismissive manner and not kept confidential. As a result of these complaints, female employees were subjected to retaliation, including but not limited to being deprived of work on projects, unwillingly transferred to different units, and selected for layoffs. In quote, 
Um, this is a long list of stuff. Uh, also mentioned in the brief uh, are, are pregnant women and women of color were particular targets of discrimination at Blizzard, at, at Activision Blizzard. Uh, pregnant women specifically, they were often given negative evaluations when they were on maternity leave. Uh, they were given trouble by male employees if they had to pick up their kids from daycare. Uh, they were sometimes kicked out of lactation rooms so employees could use say, uh, the space for meetings. Um, it, it is astonishing, this list of, of uh, allegations uh, toward Activision Blizzard. Uh, a list of things that um, should make anyone in a, a high-ranking position at Activision Blizzard uh, deeply ashamed and embarrassed about what is going on at that company. Um, okay. So in, in the days to follow, uh, this broke mostly on Wednesday, in the days to follow, uh, many women, uh, many people of color, many men even, uh, who have either worked near or at Activision Blizzard, um, parroted a lot of these issues and said, yes, this is very consistent. And a lot of folks came forward to say, um, unfortunately, this is very consistent with behavior across the industry. Obviously, Ubisoft is dealing with a similar situation with a toxic and sexist work environment. Uh, they have been named in a French lawsuit that has been filed. Uh, but over here in the U.S., yes, this is Activision Blizzard uh, against the U.S. government. Um, in a statement uh, issued to Bloomberg earlier this week, a uh, company rep for Activision Blizzard uh, had some strong words, honestly. Uh, so I'm going to read that entire quote uh, from that representative. Quote, we value diversity and strive to foster a workplace that offers inclusivity for everyone. There is no place in our company or industry or any industry for sexual misconduct or harassment of any kind. We take every allegation seriously and investigate all claims. In cases related to misconduct, action was taken to address the issue. The DFEH includes distorted and in many cases false descriptions of Blizzard's past. We have been extremely cooperative with the DFEH throughout their investigation, including providing them with extensive data and ample documentation, but they refuse to inform us what issues they perceived. The picture the DFEH paints is not the Blizzard workplace of today, end quote. Three separate emails were sent to Activision Blizzard employees by Friday morning. The first by Activision President Rob Kostich, not to be confused with Bobby Kotick, uh, emailed employees on Thursday. Uh, the, the email was intercepted and posted by Polygon senior reporter Nicole Carpenter. Thank you, Nicole. Uh, I'm going to read that to you. I'm just going to read a bunch of these because I think it's important to really get a clear picture here. Uh, quote, team. Some of you may have seen the allegations reported by the Department of Fair Employment and Housing in California. These allegations are deeply disturbing. Let me be clear. There is zero tolerance for this type of behavior in our workplace or, frankly, in our society. We, as a company, take every allegation seriously and investigate all claims. When wrongdoing is found, those responsible are held accountable, and we will continue to do so. Each of you deserves to be treated with dignity, equality, and respect at all times. The behaviors described are not reflective of our Activision company values, especially Champion D, E, and I, and it's the people. 
Our values are just not words on a page. They are at the core of who we are day to day and who we aspire to be for years to come. As per always, if you need to talk to anyone, please reach out to your manager, HR partner. You can find this information by looking up on People Finder here. A trusted leader or me. You can also check the Way to Play portal on the Hub for more resources. Please join me in ensuring that we continue to consistently cultivate an inclusive environment where everyone feels safe, respected, and valued. Anything less than that is unacceptable to me, uh, end quote. That, again, was Activision President Rob Kostich, um, more or less downplaying the uh, the real uh, the real allegations here, kind of reflecting what the original statement to Bloomberg said. Hey, this isn't representative of who Activision is. Blizzard is now. Okay, so Blizzard President Jay Allen Brack, who has been under fire for many things over the past few years, uh, emailed employees late on Thursday. And uh, that email was also published uh, by Bloomberg reporter Jason Schreier. Thanks, Jason. Uh, Quote, hello, Blizzard. I personally have a lot of emotions coming out of yesterday, and I know you do too. The allegations and the hurt of the current and former employees are extremely troubling. I know many of you would like to receive more clarity. While I can't comment on the specifics of the case, as it's an open investigation, what I can say is that the behavior detailed in the allegations is completely unacceptable. It goes with saying it is completely unacceptable for anyone in the company to face discrimination or harassment. It goes with saying that everyone should feel safe working here, whether we are on campus at BlizzCon or working from home. It goes with saying it takes courage to come forward and with all claims brought to the company and all claims brought to the company are investigated by internal and when needed external investigators. We take these claims very seriously. Claims can be made without fear of retaliation. And, and many times I attend to them personally, along with other leaders. Stepping back, when I talked to Bobby, that's Kotick, uh, about taking the job, one of the first things I mentioned was a revered saint of the Brack household, Gloria Steinem. Growing up, the value of women as equals, understanding the work that had been done for equal treatment, and the fact that there was still much to do were common themes. This is just one of the reasons why the fight for equality is incredibly important to me. People with different backgrounds, views, and experiences are essential for Blizzard, our teams, and our player community. I disdain, quote, bro culture, end quote, and have spent my entire career fighting against it. Iterating on our culture with the same intensity that we bring to our games is imperative, with our values acting as our North Star. This is some of the most important work we do, both as professionals and human beings. A company is more than legal constru- than a legal construct that exists as a piece of paper in a filing cabinet in Delaware. The people that work at the company make it what it is, though their actions and although the, through their actions and creations, each of us plays a role in maintaining a place for safety for one another. And it's also up to each of us to continue to craft the blizzard we want and to commit to doing our part and keeping blizzard great, but always aspiring for more. The leader, the leadership team and I will be meeting with many of you to answer questions and discuss how we can move forward. In the meantime, I want you to know that you can talk to any manager, any HR partner, any member of the legal team or any one of the executive team, including Hey Jay. If you feel more uh, comfortable talking to someone outside of Blizzard or prefer to be anonymous, you can con- contact the Way to Play Integrity Line. I feel angry, sad, and the host of other and a host of other emotions, but I also feel grateful to work alongside a set of leaders, of th- and thousands of employees who join me in their commitment to continuous improvement. 
end quote. So that was J. Allen Brack, uh, the president of Blizzard Entertainment. I want to uh, call attention to two things. Um, one, I uh, made note that uh, if you prefer to stay anonymous, you can contact a way to play integrity line. That's an internal uh, HR uh, mechanism over there at Activision Blizzard. Um, it, it, the 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 legal filing from the uh, Department of Fair Employment and Housing uh, actually specifically says that many of these claims that were made to HR did not actually stay confidential. Um, that has to be backed up, uh, obviously, with some uh, documentation, but I'll be very curious to see uh, if they have actually protected that anonymity that Jay Allen Brack says that they do. Uh, the other thing is uh, back in one of the earlier paragraphs about disdaining bro culture. Uh, in fact, J. Allen Brack was part of a panel that in 2010 uh, was asked by a woman at BlizzCon why they only make uh, female characters that, uh, quote, stepped out of Victoria's Secret. Um, she was basically just asking, you know, why do all the women characters that are in Blizzard games look and uh, act a certain way? Uh, that panel included J. Allen Brack, and that panel essentially laughed her out of that uh, question area. The crowd booed, the panel was laughing, the panel didn't understand the question, the panel really dismissed the question. J. Allen Brack was part of that. So if they want to say that that's how it uh, used to be and just leave it there, that's great. But I don't think anyone has actually reckoned with that kind of behavior. J. Allen Brack has not made really any statement about those things. Uh, and I'm not really sure how much all of this holds water. Um, finally, uh, on Friday, uh, uh, Francis Townsend, uh, one of the uh, one of Activision Blizzard's executive vice president uh, over at corporate affairs, uh, sent an email to employees and uh, had some actually very strong words. I think these are really important, maybe the most important email that uh, a, a person over at Activision Blizzard has sent over the past few days. Quote, as the executive sponsor of the ABK Employee Women's Network and our chief compliance officer, I wanted to reach out to you. I know this has been difficult for many of us. A recently filed lawsuit presented a distorted and untrue picture of our company, including factually incorrect old and out-of-context stories, some from more than a decade ago. The Activision companies of today, the Activision companies that I know, are great companies with good values. When I joined the executive leadership team, I was certain that I was joining a company where I would be valued, treated with respect, and provided opportunities equal to those afforded to the men of the company. For me, this has been true during my time. As a leader, I'm committed to making sure that the experiences I have is the same as the rest of the organization. We have a leadership that is committed to these principles in every way. We work at a company that truly values equality and fairness. Rest assured that leadership is committed to continuing to maintain a safe, fair, and inclusive workspace workplace. We cannot let egregious actions of others and a truly meritless and irresponsible lawsuit damage our culture of respect and equal opportunity for all employees. We aspire in our company to do great things in our games and our impact on society and in our work environment. We continue to hold firm to our principles and invest, as we have in the past, the resources to ensure quality opportunities for all employees. We remain committed as a leadership team to doing what is right. End quote. 
Townsend is really doubling down that the narrative is inaccurate. And uh, the, for the uh, the lawsuits piece, uh, the fair uh, fair employment fair employment and housing department actually wants it to go to trial. They say they want a jury trial, and they will have to basically show the paper trail, show the work, actually show that these things were never taken care of. Um, I suspect that they will be successful in doing that, um, but. The, the brazenness with which these uh, high up executives are saying that these things are false. Um, and then one of the one of the lines here from Townsend, they're out of context stories. I'm not sure in what context any of these stories would be okay. There are uh, stories within the lawsuit and other accusations that specifically talk about how executives would, uh, you know, uh, would have hotel rooms at BlizzCon for the express purpose of sleeping with someone that would come to the con, a fan or an employee or things like that. Um, I don't know how those things get out of context. I don't know how a lot of the, when there's smoke, there's fire things uh, get waved away by saying that they are out of context. Um, These stories and the reaction to these stories have been heartbreaking. Um, And that really is an understatement. It is heartbreaking to see a number of people who either uh, used to work for Blizzard uh, or currently work for Blizzard or Activision uh, talking about their experiences this week because it it just seems like it's the tip of the iceberg. And even if the DFEH is only coming forward with what they can prove, it seems like there are a lot more stories right under the surface and if this does go to trial, I would expect those things to uh, to come out even more furiously. Um, I don't know what to say or do uh, as a, a media personality. Um, I can say that uh, you know some outlets are basically saying that they're going to to boycott coverage of Activision Blizzard. I think that's going to do. Uh, a certain amount of the work that needs to be done. I think our outlet is going to continue to publish stories about uh, these publishers uh, as we have with Ubisoft, except that we typically also note that these things are remaining uh, under-investigated, under-reported, and also um, uh, not dealt with. Uh, I think as long as we keep banging that drum or uh, depriving them of oxygen, either way, um, this could probably help from the media side. Um, in terms of actually how we fix this problem uh, across the industry, um, a lot of it has to do with setting equal pay. A lot of it has to do with tr- uh, radical transparency. A lot of it has to do with executive compensation, executive power. A lot of it has to do with ensuring that the voices of lower level employees are being heard at major meetings, uh, that they're represented, that they're represented in these major meetings, that they're aware of why certain choices are being made at a high level. Um, at a company the size of Activision Blizzard with an executive leadership team that anecdotally from almost all accounts, are very insulated from the rest of the goings-on of the company. Um, this is very difficult to do without, you know, say, unionizing or, or, or things like that. So I think that is probably the big one. Um, I think obviously tackling, continuing to tackle uh, toxic masculinity and toxic workplace behavior is going to be part of this as well, except that 
you know, we've seen in the case of Riot and some other places that a lot of the folks that are accused of this, and we've seen this over at Ubisoft as well, are actually not held accountable. They may leave on their own accord, they may settle with the company, or they may stay and just quietly continue to work, as several employees mentioned in the Blizzard uh, brief, uh, worked up until, let's say, 2020. Um, some some employees uh, mentioned uh, in some of these ac- accusations were there from the beginning of WoW uh, all the way for 16 years when a lot of these things were reported to have been happening. So I don't think a lot of this stuff has been dealt with on a culture level with that company or with most companies that are dealing with these things in the games industry. And I'm not sure they will until uh, employees take very, very decisive action, until the media continues to hold these places accountable, um, and and until uh, real change is made, uh, we may see more of these lawsuits, more of these investigations. um, And I'm I'm really hoping one of these goes to trial. A lot of them have been settled, uh, but it will be interesting to see what happens. Thanks for hanging in there. I know I read a lot. I know I read a lot. I just think um, using the words of the people themselves to really paint a picture uh, is important. Um, I was uh, deeply disturbed, frankly, by the reaction to the the lawsuit from these uh, high high level executives. Um, I'm not surprised that they said something, but I was I was fairly surprised that they doubled down on some of the things that they were being accused of. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's move on to some other top stories. But uh, this was this was the big one of the week, and it is uh, again a heartbreaking story. And obviously, our, our thoughts are with folks affected at Activision Blizzard uh, and any company that are dealing with sexual misconduct and uh, gross disparity uh, between male and female employees. Uh, but yeah, actually, before we totally dive off of some weird companies' goings on, uh, I want to I want to mention that Ubisoft is still in the news. Of course, uh, this week it was reported that the Skull and Bones game, the uh, the, the game that a lot of folks were pretty excited about when it was announced. It was an Assassin's Creed spinoff centered around Black Flag's ship content. Uh, Ubisoft, it, it was supposed to launch in 2018, then it was pushed to 2020, then 2022. Now its projected release window is before March 2023. So it is a eight years of games development. It's now just getting into the alpha phase. Uh, Kotaku uh, had some reporting on this, and and a statement issued to Kotaku by Ubisoft said some interesting stuff. Quote, the Skull and Bones team are proud of the work they've accomplished on the project since their last update, with production just passing alpha, and are excited to share more details when the time is right. That being said, any unfounded speculation about the game or decisions being made only works to demoralize the team who are working very hard to develop an ambitious new franchise that lives up to the expectations of our players. Over the past year, we've made significant changes to our policies and processes to create a safe and more inclusive workplace and empower our teams to create games that reflect the diversity of the world we live in. End quote. Sound familiar? Um, I love that Ubisoft is actually blaming reporting of fact as uh, why their team is demoralized, as if the uh, actual, as if the call is not coming from inside the house. 
so to speak. Uh, Ubisoft Singapore is the developer working on uh, Skull and Bones, and there have been mass exoduses from that company. Uh, the demotion of the managing editor, uh, Hugh Ricoeur, last year, um, he had been accused of sexual harassment, moved to a different role in the company. Uh, the studio's glass door page, if you want to put any stock into that, that's iffy. Uh, but they do mention poor pay, toxic management, uh, and other things that drove people away from the company. Uh, Kotaku has a really, really, really beefy report about all of that stuff, so you can check that out there. We have some links over on fanbyte.com, fanbyte.com that uh, Kenneth Shepard wrote. Um, yeah, so that's what's going on with Skull and Bones. Ubisoft also announced a new Tom Clancy Universe shooter called X Defiant. And XD in the X Defiant is like a... Uh, a raw uh, laughy face, uh, circa like 2003. It's wild. Um, <laughs> it's a 6v6 shooter. It's class-based. It looks a little more colorful, a little more like Overwatchy, I guess. Um, it's coming to PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox X and S, Xbox One, PC, Stadia, and Luna. Uh, August 5th is the beta test that will begin for PC users uh, you know, Ubisoft is still a subject of a harassment complaint uh, in a French court. Uh, they're still not really addressing all these positions of power. They keep saying that things uh, are are getting better, but the employees inside the studio are saying otherwise. Uh, this is just another studio, just like Activision Blizzard, that is not dealing with its own problems. And we keep noticing, and we're going to keep reporting it. Uh, but yeah, if you're interested in those games, uh, that's that's where they are right now. Let's talk about EA Play. EA Play happened this week. Um, in my upcoming conversation with Colin uh, McGregor, we talked about some of these things, but I'll run down uh, some of the highlights. Uh, first of all, Austin Creed, a.k.a. Xavier Woods, professional wrestler, uh, hosted the event. I thought he did a great job. Uh, EA uh, talked about Codemasters, one of the recent acquisitions. Uh, they make racing games, and they've been around for 30 years. They make games like Grid, Dirt, and Onrush. Uh, Grid Legends is a uh, story-heavy uh, grid game. Uh, that uh, our own Paul Tamayo is very excited about. Um, so, yeah, you should check that out. There are some trailers out there. Uh, Apex Legends Unveiled Emergence. We talk about that a lot in my conversation with Colin, so I'll just leave that there. But it's a lot of new content. Uh, it's basically Season 10. The Battlefield Portal is revealed. It's basically a website that acts as a way to mix and match Battlefield content from a bunch of games. Bad Company 2, 1942, Battlefield 3. Uh, it uses 2042, the upcoming game, as its base. So it's kind of all of in the working brand new engine, but you can share custom modes from those. Uh, you can mix and match custom modes from all of those games. Uh, in the in the trailer, they showed, like I think it was like 32 World War II uh, soldiers against like a few 2042 soldiers, kind of a quality versus quantity match, which I thought was really fun. And, uh, it, it gets wackier from there. Um, Lost in Random is an EA original, uh, looks like a cool action adventure game. Combat is shown. It's, uh, based on uh, the role of a literal dice, like a dice monster, uh, that, uh, helps you create your own powers and effects. It looks pretty cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about that. Knockout City also debuted its second season. Uh, it's like a golden age of Hollywood theme season. Uh, really, really liked the way this looked. If you haven't checked out Knockout City, it's one of our favorite multiplayer games over here at Fanbyte. And, uh, also Dead Space, a reboot of the amazing, uh, space horror game that came out in 2007, 
uh, or 2008. I can't remember. Uh, that that game is going to be built from the ground up. Uh, it looks really, really cool. We didn't see a whole lot of it, uh, but it is going to be a re- reboot. Uh, I kind of hope they get away a little bit from the original trilogy, but we'll see. Uh, but EA was, uh, I don't know, they were pretty good. Even without Skate 4 really showing up, um, I thought they had a decent show. I thought the Battlefield portal looked pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, I'll definitely be checking that stuff out. Um, let's see, finally, uh, the Pixel Remaster uh, for Final Fantasy. Uh, that, that comes out this week. I'll talk about that more a little bit later. Uh, but in a Q&A uh, to posted to Square Enix's official website, uh, the company is confirming that it's only coming to phones and PC and tablets for now, but other systems are on the table if people want them, which, like, that's a pretty safe bet. I think those will probably be purchased, and who wouldn't want to play Final Fantasy IV on a Switch? So it's kind of a non-story, but it's also kind of begging the question of, like, why don't they just assume that it'll be good and then put those things on Switch anyway? That's fine. It's fine. They can do what they want. In kind of an odd move, uh, Nintendo took to their Japanese Twitter account to uh, dispel some of the reporting done by Bloomberg about the upcoming OLED Switch model, uh, which is pretty strange. The original Bloomberg report uh, broke down profit margins for the upgraded console, uh, and they estimated that the OLED cost about $10 more per unit to manufacture, and so the device itself will cost $50 uh, more than the original Switch. Um, instead of just like kind of letting that roll off its back, Nintendo actually released a statement and said, quote, a news report on July 15th, 2021, claimed that the profit margin of the Nintendo Switch OLED model would increase compared to the Nintendo Switch to ensure correct understanding among investors and, and customers. We want to make clear that that claim is incorrect. Um, we also want to clarify that we just announced the Nintendo OLED model will launch on October 2021 and have no plans for launching any other model at this time. Uh, end quote. That seems to directly also respond to Bloomberg reports and other rumor mongers that say that a Switch Pro is coming with uh, 4K video quality and some beefier uh, hardware under the hood. Um, I, I think reporting in this space is difficult. I, I think our job is really hard. I do. I think we get a lot of information and we need to, and we basically have to just like go with what we can confirm and things like that. So I'm not going to sit here and say Bloomberg's reporting is just like wrong or erroneous or whatever. Uh, but it is odd that Nintendo did choose to take this moment to basically say that this report was incorrect. Um, it doesn't necessarily rule out the fact that the Switch Pro is going to come out. It just means that they're not launching any other model at this time. Uh, that's not much of a story. But it is kind of odd that they would say that the uh, margin increase is actually not true. Uh, we will see if that's true. We can probably reverse engineer things to figure that out once the thing comes out. We'll, we'll, we'll be sure to keep an eye on it, but it's kind of a weird story, huh? Whew, that's a, that's a lot, a uh, lot, a lot of stuff this week uh, happened all kind of at the, toward the end of the week as it's prone to do. Uh, so let's, let's move away from top stories. Let's, uh, let's hang out with, uh, Colin McGregor. has actually been pretty busy for previews new releases and some stunning new trailers with me to discuss a lot of that is our very own staff guide writer colin mcgregor hi colin hello john how are you i'm doing okay i wish i were more awake 
It's a Friday morning when we're recording this. Um, I did quit caffeine three weeks ago. I'm starting to, I'm starting to like question everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I actually quit caffeine two years ago. Yeah, two two and a half years ago, and I was around around like that three week period, that like three month long period. Everything is just like the worst decision ever. Yeah, it's like, like the worst choice you've ever made. I felt, I feel, I think on the whole better. Um, I'm definitely sleeping better, which is great. But then I'm like, <laughs> Paul, Paul's so rude. <laughs> Paul's sipping on a cold brew. Uh, thank you, Paul. Thank you for taunting me. I went to a, a doctor's office yesterday and the lady at the counter was like, I'm sorry. I'm so jacked up on caffeine right now. And I, I told her that I quit and she was like, Oh yeah, sorry. I did that once, but I just missed the high. And I'm like, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Anyway, um, you you actually sat down and, and played a preview of uh, Aliens Fireteam Elite, which uh, it, at, at least, you know, as as I heard about it, sounded like an interesting spin on kind of a Left 4 Dead formula. But nobody at Fanbyte liked it very much. Do you want to no talk? Do you want to talk about that game a little bit? Sure. So uh, Aliens uh, Elite Fireteam, it's a three-person co-op shooter. It's, like you said, it's very Left 4 Dead-like. Um, it's taking inspiration more from Aliens than Aliens, so it's a lot more action-driven. Mm. Uh, when when you kind of like, we only got access to a, a bit of it, but you pick from four different classes, each which have their own like unique abilities, and then you, uh, like one can summon a turret, one like is about healing. It's a lot more of the standard classes you see in a lot of video games where there's like no real like, like thing that really feels alien to the classes. But like they each have their different roles. Yeah. You go into uh, the, the mission we played was a rescue mission. Uh, we have to like rescue the scientist, which is really funny that he's the only one alive in like a ship full of like, <laughs> like soldiers and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hun- hundreds and hundreds of the, the greatest killing machine apparently in this universe. <laughs> and and you, for a little bit, it's like it's fun. I mean, it, it nails the kind of alien aesthetic. Your radar is like the little beeping uh, radar from the movies, which oh, that's is really cool. fun. Yeah. The uh, all the aesthetic, like the visuals, are very like '80s, kind of like VHS, kind of like HUD, kind of like what they thought the technological future was going to mm, be. It's all very fun, and, and then you start playing it, <laughs> and everything. <laughs> And and for for the and this is the problem with this game is is it trying to it's trying to like ape the Left 4 Dead genre mm. and the thing with Left 4 Dead genre like Back for Blood and all those works so well in like World War Z is they're zombies so they're inherent everybody knows they're inherently like weak right but then but but with aliens the xenomorphs are terrifying and threatening and like very strong and they they just get mowed down like they're made of paper mache right like it's it's really and it takes i think a lot of the fear and tension away from it because when you like headshot a a a xenomorph even if it's by accident this big red like banjo kazooie x just like goes over their face (laughs) and and they just explode into like uh chunks of of green acid and it's just really it's just really uninteresting and it takes a lot of the the fun away from it because i guess you don't really we never like felt threatened and i have never heard uh nikki or funky sound so bored in their entire (laughs) lives (laughs) that's not good i mean it's 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 such a strange idea because like 
I think it feels like the franchise of Alien and Aliens is just like not ripe for this exact thing unless it's explained very thoroughly why these particular xenomorphs are not like that you know terrifying right, right? it's it's like you know we've we, even in the video game world it's like we've had alien isolation this like extremely you know scary tense game about this kind of un, undefeatable xenomorph that's trying to get after you and and things like that and it's like yeah, when I when I read uh, Funke's thoughts about this, I was like, "Yeah, this doesn't seem like aliens at all," which is strange. It's, um, yeah, it definitely doesn't. I don't. I think it doesn't. It doesn't. So it's definitely like not like because I'd say Alien Isolation is pulling more from Alien. Yeah, this one is heavily pulling from Aliens. Right. But like even then, the Alien, the Xenomorphs, and Aliens are still a lot more threatening than the ones in this. Like it tries to. To go for like the horde mentality, and it can it it does get it once in a while. Like there are sparks, you're like, oh, this is kind of intense. Or like you see them crawling on the walls. Um, but I think some of the the fear is taken away because they highlight the aliens in these really sickly green like outlines. Mm. So it's not like you're looking at walls being like, oh, the walls are moving, man. Yeah, it's like, right. oh, there's 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 like a whole horde. And I, I brought something up to Funke uh, when we were playing. And I think this game would have benefited greatly if it wasn't in third person, but in first person. Right. I think I think a lot of the the tension of the I I kind of I get why it's in third person because it can be a little bit probably harder to balance in first person. Right. But I feel like if they really wanted to to capture that intensity that's in a lot of in, in the movies and just like in the creature's design, like move it to first person because it being in in third person like sucks. Like you you just get disconnected so quickly yeah. from the from from the fight, and it's just. I don't know. I want to like it. Like it's aliens and I love xenomorphs and I love aliens yeah. and I love the movies. And like, I'm just waiting. Like I, I even liked that like alien versus predator, like Xbox 360 game. I yeah. thought that was like a bunch of fun. If you had like friends to play with, but like, I just, I so desperately wanted this one to be good and it's just really boring. And even the mission design, like it's one of the things where you go from mission to mission and it's at least from what we did. And it's, you go to a room, you kill all the Xenos, uh, you have one of two choices. You either go into a room, you kill everything. If you're not prompted to kill everything, you keep going. Yeah. Uh, you go in or you defend a specific area until the game tells you to stop defending a specific area. Hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it, it could probably use some variety. Um, and yeah, I like do you do you think you mentioned some of the like the the HUD elements about like outlining the aliens and the big red X's like if they pulled back on that stuff and actually kind of made it uh, actually harder to decipher what was after you, do you think that would actually be to its benefit or do you think the gameplay would suffer because of that? I think it's a hard balance. Cause I yeah. understand. I don't think the big, I think the big red X needs to go. I don't think there's, <laughs> I don't need, I don't really, nobody cares if they're getting headshots in this game. Sure. Like it's, it's, right. it's, it's, it's more or less irrelevant to, to a lot of the fights, unless you're really trying to conserve ammo. Mm-hmm. And, and the first time the, the, the X came up, I legitimately like laughed and like stopped playing for a second. <laughs> Cause it was the dumbest, most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. That's amazing. I think you could take the highlights away from the enemies and it wouldn't be that bad. Um, the game does have challenge cards, like modifiers, kind of like what Back for Blood's trying to do, uh, where you can throw them on and it'll change like the difficulty or features. And we didn't get access to all of them, so maybe one of them is like a limited HUD, which yeah. I think if there is, that's probably the way to actually play it. Yeah. But I-, I think a lot of the game's problems are structural, unless uh, 
less than less than just visual because it's just not. We've had so many in this like shooter Left for Dead genre that at a certain point going into a room and just killing a bunch of enemies and moving to the next room and killing a bunch of enemies without any deviation of the pattern yeah. is just not cutting it anymore. Like that's why uh, I'm a little worried about Back for Blood because I, I really hope it doesn't just lean into that. But I think the the studio behind it is a lot more turtle walk is a lot more seasoned in this genre right then i don't remember who's uh doing it's, alien isolation it's cold cold iron studios cold iron studios yeah so they they had done city of heroes in star trek online okay so yeah yeah not yeah, a ton so, not a ton in the yeah. in this vein uh, actually yeah. so yeah it's it's kind of a new thing for them um and I, interestingly enough, you might have said this, but it is canonically, according to 20th Century Fox, uh, or excuse me, Disney's 20th Century. Wow, <laughs> I, I keep forgetting about that. Um, it's actually a direct sequel to the trilogy, which is strange. It's odd because it doesn't seem very story based. It's. <laughs> so. I mean, there's story to it, but like, it's not very. I don't complicated. know how many people care. Yeah, right. I don't know how many people are going to care. Like, sure. It's weird. I always find that weird when games try to tack on to the movies, like canonically, uh, uh-huh. especially like a big franchise like this. I feel like a lot of the fun with those is like when you get to kind of like experiment and go off the rails with like whatever you're doing with like like what they do with the like as as awful as the Predator games are. Like they they at least like go off the rails and like do some like pretty fun things. Yeah, uh, but this one is like I don't know. It's just like I wasn't playing this and being like, oh man, all those callbacks. I was right. just playing it, and I was just going like, "This is just Left for Dead with aliens." That's yeah. that's the game, and yeah. apparently we're the only people who disliked it. So like, maybe we're wrong. So, like, listen, I, I, it's, I've noticed that too. Like, I did the Google search this morning, and like all the headlines, are just like it's pretty fun. It's really surprisingly interesting, and I'm like, all right, well, our folks hated it, but that's okay. Like, listen, it, it you can find out for yourself on August 24th when that comes out for. Let's see. It's it's like everything except for Switch. It's like PC, it PS4. Uh, I actually don't. It doesn't say it's Game Pass, but it is coming to Xbox Series X and S. This feels um, like it should have been a Game Pass game. Like, like yeah, to, to test. Like, I can't. I can't in good conscience recommend paying full price for this game. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to be curious to see what what happens uh, with that. But yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me if it ends up uh, on Game Pass. But uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um. Another game that that uh, that that we got our hands on this week uh, is a game that actually launched. It's Pokemon Unite. I of course have to remind folks that Tencent owns us and also published the game Pokemon Unite. We just have to say that uh, we are an independent journalist outlet, and we will uh, say what we want to about this video game. Uh, but Pokemon Unite is a MOBA, uh, and I, when I heard about this game. I, I honestly, I, I immediately thought this was probably a good fit, um, yeah. which is odd because I don't really like MOBAs, but I was like, okay, if anything is going to get me into a MOBA, it is going to be a set of established characters that have these kind of different, different powers and stuff. And after I played a few games, like, I, I think it's kind of interesting. Um, what did you think when you uh, played this game? So my my mobile experience is not like Stevens, where they played like more of the hardcore, like they played <laughs> right, Dota, Dota, yeah, and they 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 they, they like to suffer. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, I played Heroes of the Storm a lot. That was like the MOBA of choice, uh, just because I, I like I like more streamlined MOBAs. I can't get into like the super technical aspects. Right. And, and Pokemon Unite very struck me in the vein of Heroes over mm. like League of Legends or Dota, where it's like it, it's trying to. It's it's a little simpler. It's obviously a lot simpler than a lot of MOBAs, even right. Heroes. It's like babies versus MOBA. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of mechanics, I think, that even in traditional MOBAs that aren't really present here. Like, you don't really need to really care about rotating between the lanes to farm. Uh, but like like you said, I think Pokemon is a perfect... Uh, a perfect roster for this. Yeah. Because there's just, there's just so diverse and there's so many different cool uh, Pokemon from different generations you can kind of pull from to yep. create this really interesting roster. Whether, uh, is it, is it Timmy studio? Is it, is it, how, is I that how you pronounce their name? I think it's Timmy studio is Timmy. What, how, how you say it. Yeah. Um, I think the game is fun. I think the game also suffers a lot from like that free to play exploitative model. Oh, where like it's awful. A lot, a lot. It's just like eighty currencies, and there's it's so uh, bad. I don't know why they they decided held items. Like okay, so for those who haven't played Pokemon Unite, uh, typically in like mobile games, when you buy items, you buy them at the shop in game. Uh, in Unite, you actually buy them ahead of time. And they're permanent, and you just equip them to your Pokemon like before the battle starts. So, I mean, in theory, that streamlines everything. The problem is you don't have access to all the items right away, and right. a lot of them are locked behind paying money, mm-hmm. uh, which which was a which is a big red flag, uh, yep. considering how strong some of these are. Because it's like you know, increase your damage by ten percent. Like that may not sound like a lot, but in a MOBA, that's in a huge. MOBA is huge. Yeah. I, I I like it, but I, you could definitely tell uh, it was a mobile game first. Like I don't know why the menu like goes at like ten frames per the, second. The but menuing, like the- <laughs> I, I I honestly, folks, like I, I I can't even really properly describe it. You have to. It's free. You can go download it and see for yourself. It it the the menuing is maybe some of the worst I've ever seen in a video game. It is. It is it is laggy on menus. Once you get into a game, it's it's actually great. Um, but like the menuing and just the overall structure of navigating this clearly free to play mobile game kind of setup that they've built is is brutal. It's really really brutal. Um, and it is coming to mobile. It's coming to Android and iOS in September. Um, and yeah, I I don't know what that I don't know what that's about. But like that part of it was pretty astonishing <laughs> that it's, just, it it's, runs you're right it's like 10 frames a second it's really bad and everything's everything's super laggy and the wild yeah. like, like you said like the wild thing is like the game runs really smooth game runs you get well into a match yep. like i haven't had any issues with like lag or frame drops or yeah. anything like that but like the second i get out of the game it's like my it's like the switch it's like i'm trying to run like gta or something on the switch yeah and it just can't handle it and it just gives up it's awful it's really bad um I we uh, I I've played as a couple of Pokemon. Do you have? I think you have a main. Who's your main uh, right now? Uh, I'm between Gengar and Snorlax right now. Yeah, uh, and I'm doing it purely off of Pokemon I just like, which I think is a fun part of Pokemon Unite, which I kind of sure. hope like may expand to the roster. But, yeah, uh, you could you could definitely tell um, some po- this game isn't really balanced well because like some of these Pokemon no. are just like really really rich like. Uh, I think it's Cinderace. Yeah, it's the one a lot of people like the the bunny Pokemon that kicks the uh, fireball around. Yep, it, its damage like almost scales indefinitely. 
and it can just get out of hand like really, really fast. And like Snorlax is just really, really hard to kill. It has a lot of really good CC and you can just like get out of almost any scenario. Yeah. Uh, as long as you're like somewhat aware of what's happening. Yeah. Um, I think something that's different about Unite is is also it's it's less about destroying towers on the way to yeah. the enemy's fire, final tower and more about scoring points that you're scoring on the uh, kind of the overworld map with like, you know, little minions that you, you basically get experience from. And then you cash that experience in at these different places. Um, I, we both noticed that, like, that's got a snowballing effect. Like, I wonder yeah. I wonder if, like, not only will there be balancing for the characters and some other stuff that's happening, but, like, the snowball aspect of that game. I've seen a couple of come behind from behind victories, but it seems pretty rare because you're right. It kind of snowballs. I wonder how they can address that i think the problem is i think it's the way the game's structured yeah is uh and the way the pokemon like structure because it, it's very much like a moba where like this is why i kind of like hots's uh method where it's the team xp instead of individual xp right. but like if one player is doing really well in this game like if you have a cinderace that just knows what they're doing and they're getting like infinitely more xp than the rest of the team right they will they will just go through the enemy team even like by themselves with almost no issue if they yeah. know what they're doing. And uh, the scoring system, I think can be really oppressive sometimes uh, the way it's because the way, the way it works is um, like you said, there's no towers, So you're not like right. destroying anything and there's no, like you could retreat to the, to your goals, which are like your towers effectively. Yeah. Uh, but they won't deal damage. I think that's an issue. I think that's where some of the scaling, uh, some of the snowballing comes from because mm. it's really easy for the enemy. It's like, I've just pushed into the enemy's like, z- like side, like so many times. Pretty just easily. To, like, yeah. Just, just with like, and the only punishment is you get a movement slowdown and you're like, uh, revealed to the enemy team permanently as long as you're like in their back line as if you're like beyond their tower in their lane right uh but like for some pokemon like if i'm playing snorlax that doesn't matter like i'll just i'll just stay there i'll just stay there with my my dps player <laughs> and we'll just bully the enemy team so they can't score uh i think another way is the only way to score is you go up to the 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 whole the goal and you hold x and depending how many people are there to go faster but like if you take any damage at all while you're trying to score, you're knocked out of it. So uh, a Pokemon like Snorlax or like Slowbro or, or like the, I don't know what the Crustacean one's called. The, the one that like the big I, crab one. Like I don't, crab one. I don't remember either. I'm, I'm we're, we're the worst Pokemon people. I, don't I, know. I know. I know my, I know up to like Ruby and Sapphire. Yeah. And then I can't go beyond that. I'm like, like just, I'm like gen one and that's it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, there's the crustacean Pokemon. Like, if you have anyone that like can just poke at people, you can literally just sit on your your goal indefinitely and right. never let the enemy team score, and while yeah. your team just steamrolls them. Yeah, it'll <laughs> it, it'll be interesting to see how it's supported because, like, I I, I it, it, one just anecdotally, um, more people than I I think I expected are playing this game. Um, yeah, and. That that's got to bode well, probably for some, you know, a lot of post-release uh, support. Um, but yeah, again, like if you're not into the free-to-play MOBA, like heavy menuing, lots of currency deal, um, like this doesn't do any of that differently. <laughs> like it is, it is still yeah. pretty much that thing, and it's kind of unapologetically that thing. And it would be awfully nice if these uh, huge mobile. Uh, publishers would start to like 
I don't know, think about different ways to do some of the stuff, but because it's Especially really going to launch on console first. Yeah, it's really. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's been the same for a long time. It's exhausting to navigate. It's one of those things that the second you open the menus, it just like drains all of the excitement out. And like that's <laughs> that's what that's what kind of stops me from usually going forward with these games, even if the yeah. uh, the gameplay is good. And and Pokemon Unite, like, again, it is a simple version of this game. But what we alluded to is that like they're 10 minute matches, which is like that's really nice because yeah. You know, with Dota, especially those can go 45 minutes easily um, with no like set kind of uh, end point. So like that's that's usually what bums me out about MOBAs is such a huge time commitment. And and this is pretty breezy by comparison. So, yeah, it's it's out now. It's like, you know, it's it's definitely interesting. Um, I'll be interested, interested to see if they uh, change anything up with the formula uh, post release. Um, But yeah. Um, well, we had EA play this week, which was the big EA showcase, uh, uh, anecdotally, the funniest part of the EA play, uh, ramp up was just like how many of the studios in the EA family were just like, yeah, we're not going to be there. Um, we don't have anything (laughs) to announce about this big thing that you know about. So, and so we all started like crossing stuff off on our lists as an outlet about like, what could they be doing here? I think I think my favorite <laughs> bit was that was Nikki was like, I can't wait to see the skate trailer with a man with ping pongs glued to him uh, on a yeah. skateboard. And that's literally what and that's they just what released they like five minutes later. <laughs> I know. It's unbelievable. So, yeah, it's like we saw we saw some cool stuff. I think like the, the battlefield stuff in particular is really cool with like mixing and matching yeah. different play uh, play types and all this stuff. But we also saw. Uh, a big beefy kind of overview of Apex Legends Emergence, which is, uh, you know, the next big kind of. Um, <laughs> see, Paul's really excited about Grid Legends, which is a story based uh, racing game, which looks really cool. Which we but, need uh, more of. We need more yeah, of those. I, I feel think like we need more story based. That would that's something that would get me in because that's a lot of what keeps me out of racing games. Is I really don't care about driving cars, but if you can give me like a good story or even like something like Fast and the Furious, where it's just a stupid over the top story, I'll try it. I'll play it. Like I don't know if I'll stick with it, but I'll at least go through it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, Apex Legends Emergence, uh, I, you are still an avid Apex yes. Legends player, a very good Apex Legends player. Um, how are you feeling about Seer? How are you feeling about the changes that are coming? Um, talk to me. Uh, I am very excited for this. I think this is the most excited I've been for a legend, uh, mm, yeah. since like maybe season three and we're going into season 10. So it's been a while. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know, Seer is a Nigerian recon legend. Yep. Um, he is the first uh, African-American uh, uh, male character in Wow, in yeah, that's, legend. that's true, huh? Setting aside, before we get into it, it's really impressive how, like, comparatively to games like Overwatch, which, like... <laughs> they, could, like they, they can't put a, they can't put a black woman in that game to save their fucking lives it is no, unbelievable they keep pushing but they keep putting it off it's unbelievable anyway it's it's always impressive to me uh the diversity uh not just in the the gender the sexuality the ethnicity yeah just like the diversity just in style and look and feeling of every legend yeah um but but seer's a recon and a tracker legend so it kind of falls into the way of bloodhound yeah where, 
uh, Seer is, has these drones on his chest, and uh, his passive, uh, when you aim down your sights, you can, from what they explain, because we haven't seen it in action yet, so I'm going off more what they explained during the conference, he can get he can hear heartbeats, or there's like a heartbeat sensor, kind of like in Call of Duty, mm. so you can get like a general idea of where someone is. Uh, Seer can then deploy drones, which is his tactical ability, which is on a shorter cooldown. Uh, he throws the drones out. Uh, if they, I guess, if they tag someone or if they go into like a general region of someone, uh, they'll highlight their position. And then, unlike Bloodhound, which is just a static scan, so if, if you, it's a scan that lasts for like three seconds, Seer's drones will like actually chase after the person they attach to, uh, which could be really, really strong and really, really uh, powerful yeah. depending on how long that actually, uh, how long that actually lasts. Because real time information in, in Apex Legends is like one of the most uh, powerful things in the in the game is a reason yeah. like blood bloodhound's like one of the most top played in every professional scene because having real-time information is so good and this is the first uh legend in a long time i feel could like knock bloodhound from their throne right uh as the top like kind of like tracking legend uh and then sears ultimate which is really interesting to me uh it throws out a dome of like hundreds of drones and inside the anything inside the dome if you're moving fast it'll track you but if you're moving slow or you're standing still, you won't show up. So it's a, it, it's a, it creates kind of like a, a fun, I think it'll create like fun, tense moments where you throw the drone out, saying like a building full of people. Right. And now you're essentially giving the enemy team two options. They have to either stay in place or move very slowly, which in a game all about movement and speed uh, for a lot of characters can be detrimental. Uh, or you just you the enemy team just risks it and lets in hopes that they're just a better shot and lets the enemy team know where they are uh, in most places. Uh, I think Seer is very fun, and I think that is also probably one of their best trailers they've ever released. Uh, yeah, in terms they're of like they're really, really, really leaning into this character and kind of what it means for uh, the rest of the scene, which is interesting. It seems like they're really giving Seer a bit of a, a special treatment in in the sense of like. Maybe, maybe trying to tell us that, like, this is just the beginning of some maybe significant changes to the game. I, I don't know. I can't really read what, where they're going. But what what do you get the sense of where Apex is going maybe after Season 10? Um. So, curiously, the past two seasons, they've dropped the numbers. But, like, the community obviously is just going to keep numbering because that's easier. Uh, we had, I believe it's Legacy uh, with Valkyrie and This is Emergence. I think... Respawn is really going into the story a lot more than yeah. they normally do. Uh, the past like three, like the past two, se- three seasons, but mainly the past two, uh, they've been really leaning into the story uh, with like Valkyrie. Uh, there was a whole uh, big like storyline with Valkyrie, and like uh, for those that don't play Apex anymore or haven't in a while, uh, there's actually in-game comic books now that release uh, throughout the season. Um, that you can like go in and read, and it'll give you like a whole like backstory and lore on like uh, a specific thing happening behind the scenes. There's a lot more lore happening in game, like right now with uh, with Seer, uh, the World's Edge map, which was the second map released uh, in Apex's uh, like release. Um, World's Edge is getting like reworked, but instead of just like doing the like, oh, we're gonna have like a one time Fortnite event where like we blow up the world and rebuild it. Uh, they've been gradually kind of like releasing hints. So like over the past like two weeks, you can hear like rumbling uh, in certain areas, like the mm. because like the, there's like lava gonna explode. There's like on the computers, there's warnings everywhere. Um, you can like hunt down uh, seer drones, and they'll like 
the different legends will give their thoughts on like the new legend. Coming oh, and, that's like, cool. Shoot them. Um, I think it's really interesting where response going. And curiously, uh, we've had a lot of launch trailers, but this is the first launch trailer I want to say since, um, maybe season, maybe season five or is it season six with Loba? Whichever one was Loba, uh, this is the first launch trailer we've had that's almost exclusively on the legend. Right. Because uh, la- last one's was had Valkyrie in it, but that was basically a big promotion for Arenas. Right. And, and then the fuses was just kind of more about uh, his war with Maggie. Uh, but this one has been almost like ambiguously, com- unapologetically about Seer. Right. Which makes me think he's going to have a bigger role in the story than... Uh, and they they really are kind of like letting on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it seems big, and and you know, uh, of course, I'm a tinfoil hat kind of person when it comes to big trailers like this. You know, Sierra's big thing in this trailer is just saying over and over again, uh, you have to embrace change. Like, if you don't embrace change, you're gonna die. And he says it like twenty times, and that could be just a character saying stuff that has to do with the story. Uh, but of course, to my ears, uh, my, my, my paranoid ears, I'm hearing the respawn team saying, we actually have some big plans. There are things coming. There are things in the works, um, that I, I bet, you know, folks may not see coming. Um, it would be shocking to me, Colin, if they weren't working on some sort of, uh, major kind of PVE story based situation kind of like overwatch 2 it would shock me because i feel like that would be a massively popular move do you agree with that or are you like eh, i wish they would focus on pvp stuff i think i wouldn't be surprised if they released i don't know if it'll be like overwatch 2 because i sure. think overwatch 2 is teaching a lot of people that they don't need a game like this <laughs> yeah i was, I was about <laughs> like, to say that's that's definitely also true yeah <laughs> Blizzard is doing outside of obviously the harassment and yeah, just God. A terrible company yeah, to the work worst. at, uh, which is a which is literally just like we could be here for like an hour and a half uh, talking no. about that. Yeah, uh, Blizzard is also doing a spectacular job at showing how not to release a sequel to a game and yeah. how to like kill all hype for a game uh, right. before it releases. Curiously, uh, Respawn has dabbled with PVE uh, yeah. in in uh, Apex Legends before during Lobo's season. Uh, there was a PVE side quest that was. Yep. Generally, pretty well received. I mean, it was very simple. Yeah, because Apex simple. Legends doesn't have like the bones for that kind of thing to really like sink into it. I would be. I don't know if it'll be tacked on to Apex Legends. I don't think that's what the community wants. But I think I wouldn't be surprised if Respawn was releasing a standalone title, either based on the characters in Apex Legends, uh, based on one specifically, or set in like that general time frame. I wouldn't be surprised if there was like a separate kind of game that was going to be standalone with no multiplayer but solely focus on uh the world of apex legends because respawn isn't against telling a good story in an fps genre they're notoriously known for it so i i would i would be more uh surprised if they weren't doing something else with apex legends besides just uh releasing really good like story nuggets throughout the throughout the season okay hear me out what about Titanfall 3, but with class-based mechanics, like you play as the Legends, question mark. 
So like each legend has their own. Like, oh, that's such a good idea. Yeah, you know what I mean. A, can we can we respawn if you're listening to this, please? Yeah, that's, that's such a good. Free, that's, that's a, a good idea. idea. That's yeah. a good. That's a free idea. It's that's a, free such a idea. good idea too. To have each legend have their own titan that's yeah tailored to them. That's very yeah. fun. I don't know how to get there, but I'm like, I don't know. I don't I, know either. I, I, I would, I, but I I would be into it. So, so tin, put, putting the tinfoil hat on and going even deeper, the the <laughs> owner or like the recruiter of the games is Blisk from Titanfall Two, who ran right. the Apex uh, Predators. So he clearly has access to Titans, and Ash is one of basically the overseers at this point of uh, the Apex games because uh, she uh, she's basically instrumental for arenas. She's like one of the reasons are, uh, the arenas three v three mode exists because she believes. Uh, the legends like kind of like gave into their pomp and circumstance, and he, she just wants to get it back. To, like, hey, how, remember when we just murdered each other? In the good old days, when we <laughs> just stabbed days. each other. Like <laughs> the good old days. Uh, let's go back to that. Uh, I, I think there's a lot because respawn wants the respawn knows the community wants titans in, yeah. in some way or another. I mean, the Titanfall community literally shut down Apex Legends to tell them to fix Titanfall. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think. I think. Respawn would be really silly to ignore any opportunities to put Titans. I don't think Titans specifically work in Legend in Apex Legends as a game, right? But I think it the 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 characters are so good and so rich and so much fun that they would be throwing out uh, a lot of potential if they just didn't like do a spinoff. Like you could make an Apex Legends Kart Racer, and I'd be a hundred percent. Oh my god, are you kidding me? Yeah, another free idea in a heartbeat. Another free idea you could have respawn like. The, the characters God. are so good. Yeah. God, that's a good idea. Because all the powers kind of work yeah. for it. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, Mirage can idea. make multiple carts of himself. Right. Uh, L- Loba could just, like, steal items that other yeah, people uh-huh. have. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, uh, you, you respawn. It's good. You gotta do this now. Wow, you we gotta, come like, up with we've so come up with so many good ideas for respawn. Um, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh all right, before we wrap it up, I know we uh we also saw a very uh excruciatingly uh brief uh trailer for mm. the remake of Dead Space, uh which is one of your faves, one of my faves. Uh first of all, I know you're excited, but how excited are you? And second of all, um, do you want, do you want to see any changes made to this formula now that we kind of know that it's a, it's a full remake? I am obviously fair. So <laughs> I'm a big horror person. I'm a big horror video game person and dead space uh, has a very special place in my heart because I yeah. think outside of like the, the original resident evil Silent Hills, like dead space is like the one that kind of like, I would say got me back into horror. Really good. There was like a period where I really just didn't play much. Yeah. Uh, outside of like Condemned was like the only horror game probably at the time that I really like uh, played. Uh, for those who don't remember, Condemned was the one all like no two. There was two. There was two. Dead Space uh, is a very special game. I think it's probably one of the scariest games ever made. Uh, I think it's one of the most unique horror games ever made. So and scary. When, when when it comes to I would like it to be a little bit more heavy story focused than mm. than I think. As I think Dead Space Two did a lot of that really well, right? And that's why I like Dead Space Two a little more than Dead Space One. But Dead Space One is still a lot of ambiguity because you could tell they kind of like don't know where they want to go with the lore. Sometimes they're not entirely sure how like they want to balance the Isaac and his his relationship with his his spoiler alert his dead girlfriend. <laughs> um, I think if they lean, I'd like to see. 
lean heavier into the horror and into the story. And I'd also like to like, I don't know, they did, they did a little bit of this in, in three and two. And I think they could do a lot more of it in one. They kind of like do that bloober team psychological effect on top of the, Oh, sure. The necromorphs because the necromorphs are scary. And the idea that they can come from everywhere is obviously terrifying. But I think, uh, I think Dead Space One relies so heavily on jump scares when it yeah. at least at least very like early on at least later on once you get a general sense of the game yep. it doesn't get as it loses a lot of the, the the fear once you kind of like get an idea and I think the remake could alleviate this by kind of like psychologically messing with the players a lot more I always like seeing that I think that's very fun uh, in a horror game uh, I think that's why the layer of fear games are so much fun is because they they mess with your perception uh, right. a lot more than your than your mechanic skills uh what about you uh what what are you excited for how excited are you for dead space oh uh, I, yeah I mean I'm super excited it's 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 the scariest game I've ever played I, I mean right. like I yeah. I think it is it's one of those games that was so compelling though that even though I'm a big weenie um, when it comes to scares, I I pushed through it because I was so uh, intrigued by the world. I really liked the necromorph design. Just um, yeah. just you know, for, I was like, wow, this is so. I had so just like visceral, uh, pun intended. Um, and it's like it, it's really gross and and scary. And I like the fact that you know Isaac is just like I'm just an engineer. But then you know, of course, by the end of the game, he's like this commando. <laughs> Um, which is just like a great fun uh, horror movie arc. Um, and I agree. I agree with you that like I think uh, you know, Dead Space Two was less atmospheric, but did some really interesting world building. Um, it would be nice to see them, of course, abandon the original trilogy's kind of trajectory where it kind yeah. of ended up with with three, which was like uh, pretty much universally disliked. I feel like in terms of just feeding into the vibes of the first two. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I'm super excited. I'm, I am. I would be a little disappointed if they did just a straight up on its face remake the way blue point did with uh, shadow of the Colossus and demon souls. Although like, I don't know if I would have changed a lot with either of those games, but like, I think if they just do a you know, straight up shot for shot, I'd be a little disappointed because we've yeah we've kind of been there, right? Like even the Resident Evil remakes have been they smart to evolve in in ways that have retained the scariness of those originals, but have 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 kind of updated it. Um, sure. Now that that gap is not as huge from like PS one era to like now, like the Resident Evil ones. Uh, it's, you know, it's more like what two generations ago to now, which is like not that huge of a leap, but like, um, yeah, I don't know. I would like them me, to see them do some little different stuff, but for the most part, if they keep the atmospheric stuff, I'm, I'm in, I'm super, me, super in. This is, we're just tinfoil hatting here. Let me, let me hit you with an idea. <laughs> okay. What if it was first person? Oh God. Um, would you think that would help or do you think that takes away from what, uh, help, help is an interesting way to phrase that <laughs> because I, I think like, I, I think, and, and, and this is such a weird thing to say. If they make it first person, it would be so much scarier and I won't play it, but like, right. but like, but maybe that's for the better because I'll watch like resident evil seven, which was also like it for some reason that switch to first person scares the shit out of me and 
And I I have watched Resident Evil 7 in Village, but I have tried to play both and it's just been like, nah, I'm good. And if they do that with Dead Space, I won't play it, but maybe that'll be better for the game. I don't know. What do you think? I'm conflicted because I think I think it could be fun to to do first uh first person with Dead Space. I think they right. can make some of the the dismemberment effects even uh as somehow even gro- grosser, right? Even more unsettling. I think they make the Necromorphs a lot even creepier, especially some of the Ugh, yeah some some of like the like the baby one and Ugh, like the ones that yeah. Like, I think it'll make the combat way harder though. Yeah. Um, in a way where Dead Space is a is a a lot more action focused and it's easy to get kind of like overwhelmed really easily in dead space. And I feel like mechanically third person helps you kind of like mitigate some of that because you get like run up on from like guys from behind all the time. Yep. Um, it would need to complete like kind of rework, I think in like pacing, which I don't know if they're, I don't think they should sacrifice because I think dead space pacing is what sets it apart from a lot of games it, it it does the Resident Evil 4 thing, but it leads a little harder into horror, but it does yeah. a good job of balancing uh your your combat experience with your with your general like atmosphere. And I I think it would be fun. I think it might be like fun as like an optional right. uh uh thing, if that was at all possible. I know I know that probably is very difficult to code. Yeah, you know. Um but I, I think it I think structurally third person is probably what it'll end up going. I would like to see uh some some additions some changes i really hope it it isn't like you said a shot for shot as much as i love dead space one i think a lot of people would i mean you could you could go back and play that game right now and it's still it still still holds up i mean that game holds up so like that's i think the big thing of like if it's just that i could go back and play that now so i think that's like the big difference When, when do you think it's coming out i'm gonna say like early 2023 is, is, I want to say I want to say December late 2022. Okay. I think I think it's coming. I think they're revealing it to set it up for a holiday next. Yeah. Uh, it could be. I, I'm I'm expecting things to slip, but like, yeah, I, I think I think their their plans are probably late 2022. I'm gonna guess early 2023. But given how things with like skate have gone, uh, it's yeah, annoying. right. <laughs> <laughs> At least they just didn't show us some Isaac Brock actor in uh, Isaac Brock. That's the modest mouse guy. <laughs> Isaac Clark. Excuse me. Um, oh, my God. I, no, that's, no, that's actually what the new Dead Space <laughs> is. It's just Isaac Brock. It's just, yeah, every time a necromorph, he's like, oh, that's what that's what Isaac Brock sounds like. It sounds like he's being chased by a, a hose. Um, God, that would be amazing. Float on into Dead Space. That's exactly right, Paul. That's that's good. Uh, all right, Colin, this has been fun. Uh, a lot of, a lot of stuff kind of on the horizon that, uh, we got to take a look at this week. So, uh, are you, uh, just one last question. Oh, sure. We go. Are you as an owner of fanboy media, uh, <laughs> worried at all that 80% of your staff are going to stop playing and working when battlefield comes out? Uh, yes or no. I'm, uh, I'm that's not hundred the I'm, gears are going to grind to a halt when that game comes out for like a week. You know I'm not that, concerned right? because I'll, I'll probably be in that mix. Right. Like okay. I, like it, the, the, the battlefield portal stuff, uh, where you mix and match a bunch of stuff. I was like, Oh, like this is, I think the coolest thing we saw was like the, like, four 2042 soldiers with their loadouts versus like 32 uh world war ii soldiers and their loadouts and i was like oh that's some like uh uh 
what is it realistic battle simulator whatever that game is called it's like, like that it's like the death uh deadliest warrior that like, yeah like that's yeah. that that's some of that shit and i'm like that sounds so fun to me and just like random stuff and then and then uh oh yeah paul all of us with knives nikki's the only one who could have a gun that's perfect yeah like I, I there are a lot of things with the battlefield stuff that shocked me in terms of like oh they they've got me like they've totally got me with this. So. I, I really appreciate they're just leading into how stupid the game is. Like, they how, have like, to how, how the community like like they like battlefield always historically tried to treat it treat itself at least the last very last seriously very yeah. serious a very serious game of a very serious uh yep. military and then like this this game they're just like. Fuck it, we all know what you guys actually do the, in the game. So the fuck best. It, here's you're like here's like eight hundred defibrillators versus like eighty knives. Yeah, it's uh, the it's luck. the best choice that they could have made, honestly. Yeah, uh, because I'm super excited. Uh, well, yeah, now I'm super hyped for that. Uh, all right, Colin, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out. Thank you for having me. was a heavy week in games news so i want to get you caught up with what you can expect this week in terms of game releases and streaming services let's get to it uh on july 26th contra returns comes to ios and android that is a joint effort between konami and teamy studios the folks that just did pokemon unite gotta be honest folks what i've seen of this one doesn't look very good it's a mobile game involves a bunch of the mobile kind of friction you can expect from a free-to-play um, it's a 10 cent published game, so you can kind of know what to expect there in terms of mobile monetization. Uh, I, it doesn't look great. looks a little framey, looks a little weird. Hopefully my impressions of this are wrong and it rules. Uh, who knows? But yeah, that's, that's available this week. Uh, Microsoft flight simulator, the incredible PC game is coming to Xbox series X and S on July 27th. Uh, our own Dylan Skiffington, super excited about this. Uh, he has written a, a million guides about how to get started with a flight simulator. There are some new quality of life uh, improvements coming to the console version, which are going to be super welcome. Uh, but still, there are a lot of guides and things that you can check out over at fanbyte.com to get you caught up with the game before it comes out to consoles. Uh, also, on the 27th, uh, there are... Uh, like quite a few releases, which are pretty big. Uh, Samurai Warriors 5 uh, in the long-running Warriors series uh, coming to Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. So if you're into those Musou games, that is there for you. Tribes of Midgard is neither about Midgard nor Tribes, the video game series. Well, it might be about Midgard, I guess. It's a Viking isometric RPG kind of thing. Uh, looks fine. Looks fine. Uh, great. The great Ace Attorney Chronicles also coming July 27th, PlayStation 4, Switch, and PC. Expect a lot of coverage from Steven Strom on this over at fanby.com. Can't wait to read all of that. Uh, and finally, Neo, the world wins, uh, the world wins. Haha. <laughs> Neo, the world ends with you. Neo Twooey, AKA is coming to PlayStation 4 and Switch also on July 27th. Uh, that's a big title. Expect some coverage over on the site for that. Uh, can't wait to see how that stacks up against the uh, the DS game. On uh, July 28th, Chernobylite comes to PC, uh, and it'll eventually come to Xbox One and PlayStation 4 in September, uh, but you can expect a, a first-person action game 
maybe in the vein of Stalker. It kind of looks like a Stalker. We'll see how it stacks up. Uh, Near Reincarnation comes to iOS and Android July 28th. So folks, at the near, the fans of the Near series can get excited about that. The Forgotten City comes to uh, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One and PC on July 28th. Eldest Souls, not to be confused with Elden Ring, Comes to PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on July 29th. Also on July 29th is The Ascent, coming to Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC. And finally, on July 29th, uh, we also have Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster Series on PC, iOS, and Android. Uh, that is a controversial collection of games. Uh, the, the new pixel art is fine. It's different. It's fine. Uh, and there are some other improvements and changes, uh, but they're pretty minor. Uh, these are pretty much straight remasters of one through six. Uh, so if you missed any of those they are coming to PC and uh, yeah, that should be an interesting one. We may stream some of that stuff. I've been kind of itching to play some of those old Final Fantasy games. And if they are truly this accessible, uh, I we'll give it a shot uh oh uh also there's alone with you that's july 30th i almost forgot one uh that is a sci-fi romance adventure coming to playstation 4 switch and playstation vita that's right vita actually it's already been out on playstation 4 and vita but it's coming to switch on july 30th 2021 so it's a bit of an oldie uh, and uh but yeah i remember old reviews of this one by our own elise favis over at Game Informer, uh, she says it was charming but forgettable. We'll see if it's still forgettable when it comes out on July 30th, 2021. Uh, all right, let's get you caught up with st- uh, streaming services. Uh, so over on Netflix uh, on July 26th, uh, The Walking Dead Season 10 comes out. i got to be honest with you, I cannot believe there have been that many seasons of that show. But if you're a fan of that show and you haven't seen Season 10 or want to rewatch it, It'll be out on Netflix this week. Uh, On July 28th, there's also The Flash Season 7, which should excite folks in the DC realm. Uh, So that's super exciting. Uh, And also a Netflix anime, Transformers War for Cybertron Kingdom, comes on July 29th. That's uh, that's pretty exciting. Uh, Over on uh, Disney+, Plus, we have a couple of releases of note on July 28th. The new Monsters at Work episode, uh, episode 104, is airing. I haven't mentioned that show before, but it's a follow-up to Monsters, Inc. It's one of my favorite Pixar movies. Uh, I haven't watched the show yet, but it looks kind of charming. In this episode on July 28th, it's called The Big Wazowskis, which, if you know me, big Mike Wazowski fan, I'll probably probably check this one out. Uh, And then also on July 30th, uh, you can start to get the premiere access. I think it's 30 bucks, just like Black Widow was for Jungle Cruise with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt. It looks pretty interesting and uh, and fun, kind of a fun action, action adventure movie if you're itching for that. Over on the website, let's talk about the website for a second. We're doing a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I have got a new streaming series on Tuesday mornings. It doesn't have a name yet as of this recording. I'm just going to be hanging out for two hours, a little bit of just chatting, a little bit of speed run attempting. That's right. So if you want to come check that out over at twitch.tv slash fanfight, you can do that uh, from 9 to 11 uh, central time. So that is 7 to 9 Pacific, 
and uh, 10 to noon Eastern. So get your morning started right with me and uh, should be a good time. Uh, we have two new podcasts. They're very exciting. Uh, I think I mentioned one last week, uh, Volume Slider. It's our new, new new game music podcast. I am absolutely in love with this. You have to listen to it over on Spotify because the cool gimmick here is that you actually get to listen to full-length songs uh, in between uh, the little talkie segments. Uh, the first episode was Funke and Nikki, and it was wonderful. You should definitely go check that out. Uh, this week's episode was with Merrick Kay uh, talking to Nikki about uh, a, a lot of things, including sonic music and acid jazz. Uh, it's a wonderful episode, and uh, you should definitely go check it out. It's called Volume Slider over on Spotify. Our second new podcast, I'm so excited to say, is Paul Tamayo and Cam Brewster's The Optional Podcast. It's back. The Optional Podcast. All 217 episodes are still up and available from Paul's past show, and now it's starting up again. I'm so excited. So it is a video game and cultural commentary show for the rest of us. I cannot wait to listen to the first episode. It drops on the 26th. Please, please, please check it out. Give it a like. Give it a sub. Write a nice review over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, I am so proud to have that show on the Fanbyte Podcast Network. And uh, yeah, please, please, please listen to that. And that's your uh, week coming up. You better listen to the optional. I'm serious. That's going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank Colin McGregor for stopping by and having a great chat. Really appreciate it. You can find him over on Twitter at BeguiledGamer. If you want to find our wonderful producer, Paul Tamayo, you can do so over on Twitter at PauliMayo. Thanks, Paul. Uh, and that's that's about it for this week. Uh, please, again, I mentioned it in the previous segment. Listen to the optional. It's really good. Paul's Paul's on it along with cam brewster it's a really cool show and it's back it's back baby it's on the fan by podcast network please go listen to it uh until next time folks you're welcome